0: My name is George Bass, and uh, I'm a sports agent with AEI Sports. The favorite thing about what I do is that uh, it's different every single day.
1: Well, that is George Bass. He is the guest on today's edition of The Walk. He's got some great things to say. You're really going to enjoy this interview. But first, let's hear from our sponsors.
0: My name is Dan
2: Harker. I'm a part of the Harker five-star team. Uh, We're with Keller Williams Realty. We help families buy and sell homes. We help investors buy homes. We help people with new construction. We help people sell ranches. We help people buy ranches, not just residential. And we cover the North Dallas, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County areas as a team. Uh, Best way to get a hold of me is on my cell phone, which is 214-957-1111 or on my email address, dan at danharker.com.
3: My name is Tom Sherman. I'm with Benchmark Mortgage here in Dallas. We're a large privately held mortgage bank here in the Dallas area, actually licensed in about 40 states. And one of the things that makes Benchmark unique is that in a world that has really been disrupted with everything that's occurred in the financial industry in the last several years, Benchmark is a company that really focuses on the stewardship of the client. We want to make sure that we don't just help people get into a mortgage loan we want to help them make sure that they get into the right mortgage loan that's that's really going to help them get to a better place financially and be better stewards of their resources. Right now, the mortgage market is very it's very commoditized. The same products, the same rates, the very similar fees from one lender to the next. And what really separates us as a company is our focus on not just getting a loan but helping the client get the right loan for their needs. Best way to reach me is uh, cell phone, 214-680-1166 or my email, which is tom.sherman at benchmark.us. Hey, this is Todd Metten with Wingstop. I am elated and excited to sponsor The Walk with Shivers and Frito.
2: Bringing you the stories of athletes, celebrities, and everyday Christians doing extraordinary things. It's time for The Walk with Frito and Shivers. Well, hey, it's another great day here at The Walk or on the walk, shall I say, Mark. uh, We are blessed and excited to have George Bass, a friend of mine, friend of yours, Mark, who um, not only serves with AIA Sports as the owner, founder, chief partner, sole proprietor.
0: All of the above.
2: There you go. uh, Of AIA Sports, but is also a Man of God who walks with God, who um, I've had the pleasure of knowing for uh, the last several years. He serves as a deacon at Preston Wood and is the husband of Paula Bass, the father of Brandon and Savannah Bass. So tell us uh, just a little bit about uh, your family and what's going on right now in the life of the Bass family. And um, we're just thankful you're here today, George.
0: It's great to be here. And the Bass family is growing up. Uh, Savannah just completed her freshman year at Baylor University and uh, had a wonderful year. She loves it, which is a blessing to us. So it's hard to believe that uh, we went back a couple of weeks ago and just picked her up. Seems like we dropped her off a week or two ago, and she's already completed her first year.
2: And she's got something cool going on this summer, you were just telling me.
0: She does. She is going to go study uh, abroad with Baylor in London. She's really looking forward to that. She's doing that the second semester this summer one of the professors there at baylor this is the last time he's going to teach this class so there's a lot of kids that are very excited to be able to go over and take the class with him this last year very nice yeah and then my son brandon he's a junior in high school and actually he got to park in the uh in the senior parking lot uh this week on monday for that's the first big deal. time hey that that's is. A big deal, you
2: know? i remember that we've been there huh frito
1: I, I wasn't fortunate enough to have a car when I was, you know, I had to walk uphill both ways to school in
0: the wow. rain. Yeah, I understand. So it made you who you are. For, but you know. but Brandon's at Trinity Christian Academy. That's where Savannah went. He's really excited. He's a football player. He was injured. This. Freshman and sophomore year had an ACL injury on both years, and so was healthy all of his junior year. Last year, so going into his senior year, he's he's excited about an opportunity to be healthy and to, to play football at Trinity. Best part about about my house is my wife. You know, she's she really is our spiritual leader in our house. You know, you can find Miss Paula Bass at uh, at our at our dining table almost every morning. Amen. Yep. And uh, upstairs, and she's always in the word. She's taking she's taking uh, one of Holly's classes. Uh, we're at uh, over at uh, Prestonwood. How about so, that? So th- we're blessed, and uh, we're growing up in a hurry. I know the Shivers family is as well, but uh, you, you'll, you'll blink, and your kids will be in college, and it's it's a blessing.
1: Amen. I'm just having fun watching your kids grow up, Shivers.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. I'm feeling something... vicariously
1: through Instagram, Holly posts those pictures.
2: <laughs> my wife, she's a she's a hoss on the social media. She keeps everybody updated and informed for sure. So thankful and grateful for my children. And I know uh, George. This fall, you talked about Brandon. He's got a, a great opportunity to compete for that starting quarterback job over there for the TCA Trojans, right? And I know you've been involved with the program, working with the serving with the booster club.
0: Uh, you know what? I have. I, I am. Uh, I mean, the last week of my, uh, my duties as president of the Booster Club for Tr- for Trinity, and it's been a great, great opportunity. We have parents there that really make that job easy. If we ask for things, they respond. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a great opportunity for me to work with Trinity and with the program. And, yeah, Brandon, Brandon will compete. He's worked pretty hard at honing in his skills at quarterback. Yep. He's worked with uh, Coach Bob Giese, and then he's also worked with, uh, with Glenn Smith. You yeah, know, that, that works with Dale Hanson and, and uh, Stretch. With, Stretch has been working with Brandon.
1: Oh, me and Stretch are tight. I know Stretch very well.
0: Stretch has been great.
1: <laughs> Stretch owes me the world. You tell him that next time you see him.
0: I will tell him. I will tell him. No, so. I know who Stretch
2: is, but I need to know exactly. I'm trying to connect the dots between Stretch and Brandon. What is he doing to kind of enhance or or grow Brandon? Well, if if you don't, don't know, know football, field.
0: Stretch ran uh, FBU, um, the football. University, is, which was oh, one okay. of the bigger programs around the country, and he ran it for eight years.
2: I didn't know. So it's
0: focus on high school kids. Focus and on high school kids. Football university. Stretch
1: is a good dude. He's got a great son. He's a fantastic Kobe. father.
0: Kobe's great. And Kobe works with you know Kobe works with us. He's a he's a paid employee on the on the line when Brandon's out there. Oh, he's, he is. He's our he's our main snapper. And ah. Kobe's done a, Kobe's done a great job. So it's wonderful to work with him as well.
1: Very nice, very nice. That's funny. I need to call Stretch now. There you I'll go. do that. Maybe we need to have him on the walk. You do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to have him on.
2: So tell us a little bit about, George, about your faith journey. I know I mentioned um, as we led into our time this afternoon about your service at Prestonwood and a little bit about your family that you just shared with us, but uh, your kids at Trinity Christian, I know for you and Paula, um... Having your kids around a, a good biblical uh, education meant a lot to you guys. But tell us a little bit just about your faith journey and and how you got to where you are today, and and maybe just some significant sure events it's, and things along the way.
0: You know what? I grew up in a in in just a wonderful family. My mother is you know kind of been the head of our household. Uh, she was our we grew up Methodist. Mm-hmm. You know I'm over with the Baptist now, but uh, we grew up Methodist, <laughs> and uh, mom was the uh, the MYF director.
2: We don't care what you were before.
0: We're just glad you got there. Hey, I'm glad to be there. And um and so I grew up in a, in a, a believers home. Everything was, you know, everything was wonderful. I had I have a, you know, a mom, a dad, I had a brother and I have a sister, and everything was wonderful. And, you know, we were moving along and I was about 13 years old and my brother who was a year younger was killed in an accident. Mm. So the family, you know, it was kind of a wake up for us in our family, and, and really a wake up for me because we lived out in the country, and you know, when you have a twelve and a thirteen year old, you do everything together.
2: You no, know, we're tight. Yeah. yeah, we
0: were tight. We did something every day together, and mostly fishing, you mm-hmm. know, hunting. We 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 lived out in the country. We did we do we, we were country boys. We grew up in a small town in southeast Texas, so that was a, a real a, a real a real tragedy in our family, yeah. and so. Everybody talked about me for a long time, but I always looked like I was I was mad, and mm. I probably was. I didn't understand you sure. know, why something like that could happen. So I, I met with our pastor there at uh, First United Methodist, Dr. Lewis, <clears throat> and we kind of walked through that and unpacked a little bit of that anger or frustration it. with God. And, and I was I was frustrated, I guess. It wasn't really anger, but people see pictures of me that, that, during those times, and they're always like, "You never smiled." Mm. So we worked through it, and and then we got to the to the place where it's you didn't lose your brother. You're just yeah. going to see him again, yeah. you know. And and we got to a peace with that in our family. Right. And my mom's strong Christian. You know, my mom she's as close to an angel as you know you'll ever find. I mean she's she's taking kids to chemo for pick them up and carry them at a little five foot, wow, hundred pound lady. And um, she, you know, she would, she would carry those kids, you know, down to to Houston, and mm-hmm. she's always been a schoolteacher, like my sister, and but everybody, you know, she was just mom to everybody. Just yeah. she she truly is an angel, and you know, mom worked with you know worked with us to get through this process. Now, my dad, my dad didn't do real well with that. Hmm. My dad, you know, had some demons in his life, and alcohol was was a big part of it. Yeah, and so. You know, at that point, you can either you can either come to a place with your faith and understand it, and actually, that's what I worked with with Reverend Lewis, and you know, accepted Christ at that point. Yeah, and 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 said, okay, I'm I'm good with this. I'm moving forward with my life. I know Christ is in my life. I know He's in heaven. Amen. And so, you know, we moved we moved past that. But my dad struggled, and I always think losing a kid would have to be one of the worst things that could ever happen to you.
2: Can't imagine.
0: And so it pushed my dad either further into alcohol, and you know what, he he drank himself to death. Mm. Savannah was, you know, six months old.
2: How old were you when you lost your father, George?
0: You know what, um, I would have to say, I'd go back at probably thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah. But mom picked up. You know, mom picked it up, and, and mom's always been there for for everybody, for us, for my sister. My sister's a believer, and so we move forward. And uh, then I went to Baylor. I was going to be a doctor. No, yeah. you know, I was going to be a doctor, go there. And I got there, and, and I could not cut it into pre-med field. How long did that last? <laughs> you know, it lasted two years. I well, tried bad, for two years. Wow, yeah, you, know, you I fought a good it, fight. I pushed it hard. And so it was just a blessing that I got there. My friends, strong believers, you know, yeah. it was just a blessing to get there. And how a Methodist boy goes to Baylor, I'm not really sure but but boy it was great. And the Lord um, knew. The Lord knew. And then my wife, my wife is just such a strong Christian. She is always in the word and she's she's always makes it very well known to my to me, to my kids. And mm-hmm. so that's always been a blessing. Then you know, Preston Woods sent me a notice and said, Hey, why don't you come be a come be a deacon? Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but the first time they asked me, they said something about well you can't drink. And at that point, you know, I would have a beer every now and then, but I said I don't want to be a hypocrite who says, "Okay, I won't," and then maybe I'll have a beer. And so I said, well, "Okay." And they said, "Well, you can't do it." And I said, "Okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll just pass right now." Yeah. And of course, here comes my wife Paula. Well, how long ago was that? That was probably, you know, I've been I've been over there with the Deacon program for um, four years, so it was probably two years before that. So okay. six years ago, my wife looked at me one day. She goes you don't even drink. Maybe you have a beer every now and then. And she, she goes, "Yeah, well, yeah." give that up <laughs> Is it really you know, worth to be a it? deacon? And she goes, is it worth it? And yeah. I was like, you're exactly right. You know, so I haven't touched alcohol since then. And Amen. I, was, you know, I was, I was blessed with another opportunity with, with, yeah. with Preston Wood and what a wonderful great decision. Yeah. Oh man. It's, you know, just the things we do with, yeah. with the hospital visits. It's just wonderful. How do you and Paula meet? You know what? We met on a blind date. Nice. You know, Larry Johnson was a client, and I was going down the North Dallas Athletic Club to watch a game. And somebody said something. Hey, I want to introduce you to this girl. I was like, I don't do blind dates. You know, I said well, I'm <laughs> going to go watch L.J. play because you know not everybody had satellite dishes back then. Mm-hmm. So we go down there, and they'd have the Charlotte Hornet game on. And she came over to the you know to watch the game, and she had told the other person that was fixing me up said. I'm taking my car because if I don't like this guy you know and then we we're gonna go watch a tail out of here. Fight. So, you know, when you're a sports agent, you're probably doing a lot of sports things. Yeah. yeah. And she loved it and you know, it was kinda like that was the first date and we dated ever since and, and we're married two years later.
2: So I wanna just revisit real quickly that standard. Of you know there's just a bar that we raise as for the for the deacons for the guys that are leaders that are called out to serve the body of Christ uh there at Prestonwood and not only did you have a wife who had uh wisdom, discernment, but would would challenge you and say, "Hey, George, is this really worth it, but to have a church." Uh, that that not only recognizes the the influence and the potential leadership that you have as a as a man of God who honors God and wants to walk with God in, in every area of your life, but just tell us a little bit about that whole process as you thought through that. Your wife brought it to your attention because I think there's a lot of men, and, and the reason I, I want want you to answer this is I think there's a lot of men, and myself included, that you want to be challenged. Right, Frito? You want the bar to be raised in every area of your life, not just professionally, not just recreationally, not just with your children, but spiritually, for sure. And I think you know, six, eight years ago, however long that was, uh, just the wake-up call of saying, is it worth having the freedom uh, of of having two or three beers a year or being used of God to make a, a kingdom impact and saying, look, my crimes are many, my sacrifices are few. Is a cold beer every now and then worth it? How'd that feel? What was
0: that like for you? Oh, it was it was wonderful. You know, it was really a little bit intimidating. Yeah. I'm not a biblical scholar, I'll tell you that right now. You know, I'll I'll be in church and Pastor Graham will say some book and I'm flipping through there and Brandon or Savannah will reach over there and you know, they'll they'll direct me right to the (laughs) you know to the right place. And so all of a sudden I was gonna go in, you know, to the deacon program and and you know it was intimidating. Yeah. You sit down at a table, you sit down at a table with, with, with men that pray out loud and discuss things that are just that are just great. Yeah. You know? So it's it, it was a, it was intimidating to me, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And you know, I was a little quiet at first, and finally I said, you know, I'm just going to let God take this. Amen. And
2: it's like anything in your life, right? It, exactly. And and let say, okay, if
0: that's if if, if if this is where God wants me, He's I'm going to jump this. in. And you know, the first year goes by quite, pretty quickly, and and my deacon lead says. Hey, I want you to be the lead next year, mm. and I'm looking at me going, "Hey, guys, th- there's people that have forgotten more about the Bible here <laughs> than than I know or that I like to, to, to discuss." He says, "You're the guy." Amen. And so, so all of a sudden, I was a leader, and I said, "Okay, from now on, I'm going to say yes." Yep. When something comes up, I'm going to say yes. And so I said, "Okay, let's go," and it was a great, great year. You know, and and it, it I grew mm-hmm. so much by leading leading the deacons in my group yeah and you know you know Prestonwood they'll push you and and it's great if you want to reach out and you want to to work with the hospital programs I mean that's where I I just love going in those hospital rooms
2: yeah I was about to ask you what you enjoyed the most Uh, about serving as a deacon at Prestonwood
0: I love it and you go in those rooms and you, you never know what's on the other side of that wall. Our, our software program's pretty good. We get the, we get some kind of a lead on what's what's happening when we go in the room, but just the people that you meet, the people yeah, that you the pray faces, for,
2: the hearts, yeah, the situations.
0: You know, and I'm jumping off the elevator over there at Medical City one day, and a guy was on the on the elevator with me. He looked at and he says, "Oh, you're you're at Prestonwood. and I said, "I sure am." And We just visited, and he says, "I said, what are you doing?" And he said, "Well, you know, my son just passed away." Hmm. hmm. And I said, "Your son?" He said, "No, he just passed away right this minute." Oh, my and we were riding down the elevator, and I said, "We stepped off. The, we stepped off at the bottom floor, and I said, well, can we pray?'
2: Mm-hmm. God know, just put David the, yeah. Shivers. You know, I was yeah, I was no, my my David
0: Shivers. You know, David Shivers can pray anytime, and <laughs> he's just been a blessing in my life. <laughs> and you know, we sat there and we prayed, and this That's guy awesome. thanked me for the next five or ten minutes and mm. it was just one of those times there you, you know he was we God were put, put on that elevator there. at the same time and it you're just going down the elevator you know to, to go to the next visit and it was one of those deals that it's just was was perfect you know yeah it was, it was great for me it was great for me just to pray with him
2: well and you just think about as i hear you share that what you went through with your brother as a young man, having lost your brother, you right. know the pain that that father, not having lost a child, but a very similar weight of loss, and, and Paul talks about in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that we comfort others with the comfort that we have received from God, and having walked that path and worked that out with your pastor as a young man, and um, having come to a point of resolution and understanding, um, man, God really... Uh, equips us for for those ministry opportunities that he puts
0: us in. It's a that's amazing. Thank right. you for sharing that. Yeah, it was it was a memorable event. Yeah. In, in my in my work at, as a deacon,
2: something you won't ever forget never until forget. you're old and don't have any teeth, and you're just you know at the retirement home.
0: I'm getting close. You go. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's talk about your profession. That's something David and I talk a lot about because there are certain professions where it's a little bit more challenging to live out your faith, something that maybe David can't relate to because his profession, that's what he does. He lives out his faith. Sports talk radio, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are some challenges there.
2: Yeah, built in.
1: And I can imagine being a sports agent, There's some definite challenges there, and there's some definite rewards also for living out your faith because you can influence a lot of people.
0: There's a lot of clients that uh, that probably I'm not a match for, and and if you know what I mean, my clients are going to hear about my faith. They're not going to ask me to say, "Hey, let's go visit this place." That's probably not something that I would do, and they know that, and hmm. and it kind
2: of sets you apart for it does, sure.
0: It does set me apart, and and it limits because there's some there's some guys that that I'm just not a match for, yeah. and and they're going to go out and they want to do things that that I'm not going to be involved in. You know, they may say, "Hey, I want you to, you know, I'm going to tell my wife I'm going to do this, and I want you to cover for me." I'm not going to do that. That's mm. not that's not what I do, and that's not what I've ever done. And um, good so, for you.
2: Yeah, God honors that No In integrity.
0: I, you know, I've been so blessed with with my sports business. I've had I've had just wonderful clients, and I've got clients that that I'll spend the rest of my life with. Yeah, like Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson was a you know he was the number one pick in the NBA. Still to this day, we talk on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah, and uh, his mother was one of my very best friends. Yeah, strong you know a strong Jesus believing mother. Amen. And, uh, boy, she was always a great influence and and just a great person in my life. So, um, you know, there's there's a side of me that. Um, you know that and there's a side of the sports business where people are all, always out there attacking other guys' clients. You know
1: that was where I was going to go next. That's because not me. Not only are you dealing with the players and the young guys, you're dealing with the other agents that can be real sharks,
0: and they are. And and that happens. You know, recently I had a, you know, I had a first round pick in the NBA that as soon as he got to the city, he was at. You know, there were people already on him, and you know he makes a change within within months of him. Mm-hmm. You know, moving out to 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 a different city and but that's not me i I mean i've had i've had people contact me and then i'll call that agent and go hey you know one of your clients has called me and you know i'm not i'm not gonna you know take your client Uh, that's not that's not the way i do business and he's like hey you can have that guy (laughs) you know and so that's that's a little bit of a warning sign in, in in my business but that's the way i operate you know i'm not out going to you know to take other people's clients
2: so tell us a little bit, because I think I've shared with you before on one of our, our many lunches over these last several years, George, but tell us, tell our listeners how you got involved in the sports agent business, because it's really kind of a, a small niche. Uh, I think I told you before, I I, uh, I grew up at some point reading just old sports... Page or sports page or the uh, reading the sports page and and looking at sports Illustrated and different stuff uh, there was this guy named Lee Steinberg who I l- really thought man this guy 's got all the quarterbacks he 's got he represents all these teams he 's around the game and and I started cutting and collecting articles and anything I could find this was before the internet for you uh, little millennials and young kids out there <laughs> listening to us where I actually had to to go find stuff and go to the library and, re- and, and research. Uh, but I, I always thought, like, but then and then there was this you had to go, I thought you had to go to law school. And anyway, I never really pursued it. God had other plans for my life, but tell us uh, how you got involved in this business. You know what? How you ended up where you are. Yeah,
0: you know, when I left Baylor, I had an accounting degree and I went into public accounting for five years. And you know, I just was doing tax work. Mm-hmm. Then I had a friend that was in Dallas, and he he called me and said, "Hey, you ought to come up to Dallas. I've got this opportunity. There's this uh, there's this real estate guy who's been hugely successful. He basically fired his whole accounting staff, and they've been gone for about a month. And we need to go in there and pick it up and just start taking care of you know doing his accounting. And so I I yep. drove. I came up to Dallas and uh, looked at everything, and I was like, you know, it's pretty interesting. So basically, I came in as as the controller of the company. And basically, we had to search for all the accounting projects and what entities were in that that business and kind of get those all up online. So pretty soon, you know, you're running all those companies from an accounting standpoint. And then one day, I was meeting with the owner, and we were talking about he's got a sports business on the side that we did not handle. They had their own staff. And I was saying, hey, these are all the adjustments for your companies, and sports need so much money. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, you know, they got to have some some cash. And he was a little unhappy. And I said, well, if you'd run it like a business, yeah. rather than kind of like your hobby, yeah, then you know things might be different. And you know, I, right, I think right. maybe I insult him a little bit. And he said, well, what are you what are you talking about? And I said, well, let me write you a business plan. So I gave him a little business plan. Yeah. A few, a few weeks later, he comes in. And this guy's this guy's pretty interesting. And he threw it on my desk, and he said, "You're running sports." And I said, "Well, if I'm running sports," There's going to be a bunch of people that aren't here, in, you know, next week. Yeah. As I said, you know, the business plan shows that it that can't support solvent, that many yeah. people. And so he said, "You're running sports." So I said, "Okay." So we started making changes, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm I'm doing the financial side of the business, and then all of a sudden contracts were coming up, and I'm doing the research and doing the spreadsheets, and you know, and we how signed. many
2: athletes did y'all have at that time when you took yeah, it over? You know, I,
0: I would say we probably had ten or fifteen. And, and what maybe, year was this? I would say that's probably back in 87 88 okay. somewhere like that maybe 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 89 and, and mainly it, football basketball football coaches
2: cuz you do you need to tell our listeners you have a pretty broad touch and reach yeah. of, of all that you do cuz they may be thinking it's this sport this sport is there one in particular
0: Yeah well I do football and basketball NBA and NFL and then I represent coaches um around the country and I I represent coaches you know in college football and college basketball Okay. So,
1: if, if I told you that you could only have one of those groups, and mm. you had to choose one of those groups, good question. And exclude the others. So which one would you choose?
0: Boy, that'd be tough. You know, I, I do like working with the younger guys, but as I get a little bit older, I'd probably say I'm just going. You know, I would take the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're a little bit more mature, and they they they've had a little bit more experience in life, and they they they've seen what a guy like me brings to the table. You know, I'm not the guy who's going to be, you know, taking them out to the clubs and doing the different stuff like that. That's not what I do with with young football and basketball players. And and and, but the coaches see, you know, we're making decisions on.
2: Yeah, they're not interested in any of that stuff anyway. At all,
0: you know, no, no, no yeah. coaches aren't. But but you know, we're making decisions on um, on your on their contracts for sure. But then I may be looking at some investment opportunities for them and you know doing the due diligence on those to make sure these deals really are what they say they are Mm -hmm. and because the last thing you want to do is have someone invest in a deal and and lose money so
2: helping on their staffs too they're
0: chasing coaches you know i've I've been blessed with some really high level uh uh, division one coaches Mm -hmm. and um and like some coaches will say hey i'm you know i'm gonna lose a tight ends coach and i need you to go uh, research the tight end coaches. And what, what I would do is put together a book. We called it my book. Do the stats on, on maybe tight end coaches and, and what, what kind of offense they're scheme running. They're and run, scheme yeah. they're running. And then, you know, get the details of their contracts and kind of put together the book. And then they'd go shop in the book. Hmm. Then I've got other coaches that, you know, they, they want no input from me at all. They, it's it's basically they all do all that on their they own. do that on their own, you know, and they they have to know they have to know this coach if they're going to be on their staff, or somebody on their staff has to know them, and so it's but but working with coaches has has been very very rewarding and and been very interesting for me. You know, we've had a coach who won the national championship, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: Can imagine. A lot of fun. Yeah. You want to tell us who that was? I'm sure our listeners are really interested. Yeah. Well, I represent I mean, his yeah. first name, three letters.
0: Secret. His first name is three letters. It's Les Miles, and a, a strong believer. And so
1: you gave it away. I was going to have a shivers guess. His first wild. name is three letters, and he won a national championship. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, you know, what's interesting is is when I went in, to to visit with him. Somebody had told him that I was in town and I'd represented some coaches, and uh, so I went over to his house here in Dallas at Hackberry, and I sat down and talked to he and his wife. And I still have this keychain that 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 I had with me, and evidently, huh. my cross on my my keychain. Nice. He said, "When you walked out, we knew you were our guy. Wow, because you're a believer, and you may Carried have known cross. You're a believer. And 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 so he said." We knew that day. He's been a client of mine for 19 years now, won a national championship, played in another one. So uh, it's just been a very interesting. He was with the Dallas Cowboys. He was tight end's coach. We went to Oklahoma State, and then we we moved on down to LSU. The head
2: job there. Yeah. never know. You never know. The power. I've heard that uh, reminder from, from different folks at different stages in your life just carrying a cross in your pocket. led to a very significant relationship in Georgia's. Life and profession. Well, tell us another. Is there any other like unique stories or relationships or or guys that have stood out? I know you mentioned Larry uh, Johnson. And one thing some of our listeners may not know is that one of, I think it was a pretty groundbreaking kind of threshold of new contracts, money. I don't know exactly how to. Word this, Frito, you can help me no, out. you just did a good
1: job of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: But just breaking the, 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 kind of – That was a time, especially in the NBA. It was, a, it, was it was an interesting time. Uh, LJ became the highest-paid paid. player ever at $84 million yeah. with, the, yeah. with the Charlotte Hornets. Was it like a seven-year
2: or 12-year? It was, it was 12, like a long commitment. It was comm- a
0: 12-year deal. And, and you know, I, I remember talking to LJ. I said, LJ, you know, you're going to be underpaid by the time this deal the deal's at is, the end, is yeah, over. Yeah. And he and he he called me G Money. He's like G Money. If I get eighty four million dollars, I'll be fine. all right. <laughs> We'd already put that on top of a twenty million dollar contract nice. that he had gotten as 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 a rookie. Wow! And so uh, you know, he became the highest paid player. You know, and that we la- we had that for a few years until uh, until Shaq got paid, and uh, the numbers have just was
2: Shaq's deal from the Lakers. Because he didn't get that much from Orlando on his rookie deal, did he?
0: I would guess it was probably Orlando, but I'd have to go back and, and check the,
2: the
1: record. Well, you know, I remember because that's when I was getting my start in sports talk radio. You know, back early in the early nineties. Yeah. And I remember doing shows where we would talk about how powerful the NBA agent is, and and just so the, oh, because yeah. the contracts that were being negotiated and, uh, and the shoe deals and. All, all the, yep. the, the well, you, money that was coming in.
2: Well, you
0: remember Grandmama. Yes. Yep, yeah. You know, that was – that. Was
2: you the, were running that whole scene, weren't you? We you were right in the thick we, of that.
0: No doubt about it. We had the best time. Converse was a great relationship. Um, it was kind of interesting is that uh, the Nike guys kind of came after Larry out of UNLV, and, uh, and they attached themselves to another agent.
2: And ah. they were saying,
0: hey, you know, you know, well, if you don't sign with us, we know Nike's not going to sign you. So, you know, that's when we went and, and talked to Converse, and Converse came after him strong.
2: And Converse was big because they had Magic and Bird. Because when I was a guy, I remember, you know, they each had their weapon, the purple and gold of the Lakers, and Larry had the green and white from the Celtics. It was Bird and Magic. And they was like – so, I mean, then you put LJ right behind them. They were huge. Well, they are the best
0: top guys great, in the whole league. Great lead-in you gave me there. You know, we 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 met with them, and – they they laid out a commercial for us, and Larry, they were So gonna, this one, he's still in college? No, this was- we, this was were already he, the number he, one pick? He had just, he had just come out. Were you trying okay. to break the story there? Yeah, huh? you're trying to say the Converse was trying to paint yeah. no, pain. no, 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 no. no. To, I was not, there well? No, not breaking. Sorry. I'm just trying
2: to reset the context here for everybody. We don't we we
0: everybody. want to get Tark in any trouble, you know.
2: No, no. That. So, not that he wasn't already up to his ears in it already. <laughs> but we love you, Tark.
0: Converse, you know, Converse came out, and they were going to develop the ultimate, they, they were going to do this mad scientist commercial. It was great. And it was going to be, these mad scientists were developing the ultimate basketball player. And oh. it was like almost like a, a Frankenstein thing where they were just see it. doing it and they were doing it. And so they got to the end of the commercial and, and they Bird. were going to say, hey, he's going to be a great dunker. He's going to be a great this, a great rebounder, all the different things. And then they were going to get to the very end and they were going to have the mad scientists were going to have a little bit of an argument of what they were going to name him. And Larry Bird was going to be one of the mad scientists. And he was going to say, hey, we need to name him after me. And she says, okay, we'll name him Larry. And, and Magic. Magic Johnson came back and said, well, we want to name him after me. She so says, okay, we'll take Johnson. So we'll make the ultimate basketball player. And oh, it's going to be man. Larry Johnson. That's great. That's great. Larry was going to sit up on this table and, and, and come out of the is. experiment. experiment. Yeah.
2: But what happened?
0: Well, it's almost as good as Grandmama.
2: How well, did Grandmama, Grandmama was, trump that? Uh,
0: Grandmama was the second choice. Well, uh-huh. Magic Johnson came out with his HIV announcement oh, and yeah. Converse. You know, Dad just said, "Okay, we're going to put everything distance. with him yeah. on hold at mm-hmm. this point, and so we're going to go with the second choice." So I'm looking at LJ, <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, "So you're going to put on that grandma outfit and that wig like, and that?" I am, you know, and I'm and they had all these different. He had to, he had to be a grandmother and a basketball player, so he's doing a bunch of different things. If you if you he remember. must have a
2: pretty amazing personality because I'm he must. have – you know, that would be a tough one to embrace, I would assume, for
0: some NBA guys. Today. It's one of those deals where you go, you know, is he going to be able to pull this off? I mean, this is this is this might be a, somebody out of Hollywood, an actor. yes Yeah. And we well, went over the to money was right South Oak YMCA, <laughs> South Oak Cliff YMCA, Love it. and we shot the first commercial over there. And he so had on these little short shorts. They, they didn't even have white right <laughs> shorts, and he had these big compression pants that, that yeah. were white underneath there. And they started doing this commercial, and they had him dress up as Grandmama and the place got quiet and it was action you know and and then the the guy just started feeding him lines mm-hmm. and he's like you can't you can't stop what you can't catch or you can't catch what you can't stop and all these different things and lj just he came alive he and, and, and all of a sudden everybody stopped and just looked at each other amazed and said this guy's incredible not only he's a basketball player but he's he's an actor, hmm. and it was it was just one of those things where you just kind of go, Would you believe this is really this is really amazing? Yeah, going to work like this. And LJ was great, and he he was always great through all the commercials that we did. We did about twelve or thirteen for Converse, even a Super Bowl commercial.
2: Wow. Okay,
1: so I got to ask you this question because I get this question all the time about the owner of the football team here in Dallas, Jerry, Jerry Jones. Jones, and my answer when Hey, what's Jerry Jones really like?" I, I really like Jerry Jones. I like the Jones family. I've never had to do business with the Jones family, though. You know, my my involvement with them is talking to them on the phone and traveling on the charter and, you know, interacting with them, you know, every once in a while like that. What is it like to do business with that Jones family?
0: You know what? It's amazing. You know, they 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 always make you feel welcome. You know, I always felt like, it, it it's 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 not good cop and bad cop but it's always if you have to do a deal with Steven, Steven's Stephen is is as smart as any guy in the NFL mm-hmm. and, and, and he's tough to negotiate with. If you can get Jerry in the room with you, he's emotional. He loves his Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can ever get Jerry in the room with you, you can get a deal done. And we did that with, with Michael Urban and with Darren Woodson. And and it's just he loves his team. He loves his fans, and if it, but he's always fair, and um, and he's great to do business with. Yeah, to this day, you know, Rich Ripple's always, you know, pretty close to him. And he'll see me, and he'll rich Rich will recognize me, and he'll go, that, you know, "That's George." And he'll go, "Hey, George, how's Michael? How's the, you know?" And he's just <laughs> like he like he knows me. Like he's, and I promise you, he, he, I'm such a small agent in, in, in the big picture, but.
2: But he's, uh, his people skills are off the charts. Off the charts.
0: Hey, he Jerry makes would you... do the same
1: thing for little baby radio producers. When the Cowboys were in Wichita Falls, mm-hmm. me and Fraser Maxwell, who used to produce Norm Hitzkis before I did. So we're just you know, just nobodies, right? And we're sitting in a place called Uncle Lynn's Catfish in Wichita Falls. <laughs> and Jerry recognizes that, hey, those are two guys that are in the media. He, didn't, he probably didn't know who the heck we are. No clue. But, so he, he tells the wait- waitress, hey, I want to pay for them over there and proceeds to give in, in in this restaurant in Wichita Falls I didn't know these things existed this is back in the well the cowboys are in Wichita Falls in the late 90s. 90s Right. he gives the waitress a $500 travelers check really and, no way and she to had pay to make for your change day. for a $500 <laughs> travelers check and the owner of the place is running around trying to grab money from anyone he can <laughs> they don't have the cash <laughs> in the place
0: but that's that's Jerry Jones yeah. you know vision and and just just he's so personable and you know, it's been a blessing to do business with. And, you know, through my through my years of, of dealing with people, you know, I dealt with Mal Moore down at Alabama, you know, and it's just a classic, you know, and, and I'll always remember those those conversations with him and Jerry Jones. You know, those those are the conversations that I'll tell people the rest of my life, you know, some of those conversations. And we signed Michael Irvin one night and. Even Dale Hansen, he, he jumped in there, and he's we're taking pictures, and he's acting like he's signing the contract. And Jerry's just just having a ball with it. And it was just so much fun.
1: So were you Michael's agent out of college also?
0: No, he, Drew Drew Rosenhaus okay. had him, I think, that first year. And for some reason, they had some kind of a falling out. And then Michael started interviewing people here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went through a process and interviewed with him, and, and he chose us. And uh, we, we had him there from there on out.
2: What's your favorite um Jerry Jones story? I mean, I know you said a couple of little things there uh, a moment ago, but just tell us your favorite um either story or memory of of Jerry and your you
0: know dealings with him you know jerry's Jerry's wonderful on darren woodson's uh his last contract we we had gotten to a little bit of a roadblock on his signing bonus, you know so Darren really wanted to finish up as a cowboy. And and that's just who Darren Woodson is. You know, he, he's he's always been a cowboy, always will be a cowboy. He's just a professional, and he's just a, a gentleman. And we couldn't get them over to the sign of bonus we wanted. So free agency was getting pretty close, and I started thinking. I said, well, you know what, Darren, I'm going to buy you a first-class ticket to Indianapolis, and it was going to be the day free agency started. And so <laughs> so what what I did is I called Cowboy Travel. And I said, I need a first-class ticket for Darren Woodson. Back then, that was, I don't know, that was $1,500 for me. And that was huge. That was I mean, I wasn't making a bunch of money then. And, uh, <laughs>
1: Sounds like it's about to be a great investment, though. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up working out pretty
0: good. So I said, you know, I got him a ticket up there and then got him a return ticket. And then about an hour, an hour and a half, two hours later, Darren gets a call and says, it was Jerry's office, it was Marilyn. She says, you need to get George and y'all need to come out to my office. Like and, right now, and so Stat. so we got out there and you know what's the hold up and as well does this a bonus and he goes well you're not going to be a free agent you're a cowboy forever you know and then uh, so we got the contract signed got and, it uh, done yeah and so you know but that's just Jerry I mean he was he, he's so he's so emotional about his and, and compassionate about his team he loves them mm-hmm. and so it was great for all of us it's awesome great story great story yeah
2: great way to wrap it up. Do you got a final parting shot or something you want to share?
0: Joel? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. This, this is my uh, my, my initial, debut, you yeah, know, yeah. A, a podcast debut. I haven't done this before. Uh, my stomach's in knots for sure, but it's been it's <laughs> been great. Right? No, I'm not. I, I, I get nervous, you know, on these, wow. So, but, man, I've enjoyed every bit of it. And any time I can be with you guys, you know, in the studio on the golf course, it's great. Well, be careful because we'll take you up on both. <laughs> Let's do it.
2: That's right. Amen.